You're listening to the YWAM Nashville Podcast. My name's Cody. My name's Michael, and we'll be your hosts for this season. Oh, man. Man, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 20. God. Yeah, twenty. That is where we find ourselves today. I. We have with us here, the man, the myth, the legend, Archibald. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's beautiful. Which is a pseudonym we crafted for your enjoyment. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's so good. Oh man, I'm excited about this episode. I think it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good one. Yeah. How you doing, Archie? <laughs> I'm doing well, thank you very much. Good to hear. All right, so uh, we'll introduce him more in a few minutes, but first we can jump into our prayer request segment. And anybody got any prayer requests? My wife's my wife's going to have some tests. We're not sure mm-hmm. it, when that's going to happen. Uh, she goes to the doctor tomorrow. So oh. uh, being mm-hmm. in prayer for Penelope was that her name? Yes, yeah, yes. For Penelope <laughs> would, be, would be great. Sounds I'll make good. sure I tell Penelope when I get home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we keep we keep talking about. I mean, I know that last Friday we talked about, you know, Lebanon and that type of thing, and mm-hmm. and the challenge that we have in today's in today's world is um, everything's based on a news cycle, whether we like it or not, and that news cycle can be, you know, fifteen minutes or four days, and so yeah. Lebanon was hot and heavy in the news when they had the explosion, but there's still people hurting. There's still people suffering. There's still government in, in disarray. So mm-hmm. continuing to pray for Lebanon would be a really cool thing to do. Yeah. All right. Well, right now it's time for uh, everybody's favorite segment, Dad Jokes with Cody. So if you haven't been here, uh, we're exploring some different uh, some different intro some songs, different options. Taking last week, stroll through the last week was a bust. <laughs> Was it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was the, like, I don't know, preschool teacher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, I'm excited that we have Archibald here for this one because uh, I feel like his voice could could make this happen. <laughs> Better than mine can, anyways. Oh, man. So, here we go. Breaking news. It's time for Dad Jokes with Cody. Cody, do you have a dad joke for us? Or I feel like you can do this intro better. Oh, wait. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> or Archibald, do you feel like you can do this better? Well, we can try. <laughs> now, what we've all been waiting for for at least a week, it's time for <laughs> Dad Jokes with Cody. Oh. Thank you. And speaking of a week... If you think Mondays are terrible, just wait five days. No, wait. If you think Mondays are terrible, if you think Mondays are sad, just wait five days. It'll be an even Saturday. (laughs) We got there eventually. (laughs) Back to you. (laughs) Well, as I have described earlier, I have discovered something very horrible about having to wear a mask all the time. Yeah. And that I have one on now that's, oh, well, this is... Thank, thankfully, this is not television because I have a face for radio in that with this mask on, if I put it on incorrectly with my ears sticking out, I look like a 1963 Volkswagen Beetle from the front with the doors open. I love how specific that year is. <laughs> and the other thing I tell people on a regular basis, when we first were starting wearing masks, I was extremely concerned because the last time a member of my family wore a mask into a convenience store, they ended up wearing an orange jumpsuit, and we could only see them every other Saturday. Ooh. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm telling you, those Saturdays. Oh, it's sad, sad. <laughs> well, the music ended, but this has been <laughs> Dad Jokes with <laughs> Oh, man. So, yep, we want to introduce Archibald now. Uh, he is a father, a grandfather? He's a grandfather. Uh, <laughs> he's been a missionary for... Sometime lived overseas in some. And how long did you live in at least the one particular nation I'm thinking of that I've been to? Oh, we were there for four and a half years. Woo. 
buddy. That, that is commitment there. With your wife, not with kids. Kids were right. grown. Kids, okay. kids were gone. We empty nested our, fa- our kids. Yes. Yeah, we left the country and... <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <You're> like, <"Deuces."> <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are on your own. Merry don't, Christmas. Don't burn it down. That's what emptiness means. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Mama and Papa Bird have left. <laughs> we have left the building. Oh, man. Uh, then they came back and they've been on staff. Archibald has been faithfully doing like internet and technical stuff, uh, which I'm sure is a ton of fun. And everything else, maintenance. Yeah, <laughs> everything else. Basically, he makes things work. Um, and but n- now he's like a full-blown pastor. Oh, yeah. What's That's your official true. title? Are you pastor? Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm not ordained, so I, I'm there at the... Um, um, I've been assigned there by somebody higher up the food chain and, and that's fine. I'm, I'm yeah, but yeah, we've been there over a year. Um, this is kind of an experiment cause this was the church that we were attending mm. and this denomination never does that. They never put somebody who's attending the church as the pastor of a church. And if you think about it, even if you go to school and ordained and all that stuff, Somebody who was in the youth group that egged the choir director's car, becoming the becoming the <laughs> pastor of that church, you kind of carry some baggage with you. Yeah, just a little bit. And it's kind of difficult to get rid of the baggage. Yeah. And yeah. so, and so they never do that. We had only been attending it for a short period of time, but there it, it turns out there was some stuff that I brought along with that I didn't even realize. So. There is something to be said for being becoming the pastor of a church well, that you have not grown up in, because then you can fully assu- assume a role of shepherd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the sheep look at you and say, "Well, gee, two days ago you were one of you were a sheep." Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, well, we appreciate you coming to. Well, thanks yeah, for the opportunity speak with us. Yeah, you bet. We're very excited. All right, so today uh, we're going to jump in to talking about kind of just general, general, like, unity and, like, okay, so last week we had, in like, kind of interpersonal relationships. This week we're going to be talking, I think, kind of more on, like, church body level, uh, whether, like, individual church or larger church. Doesn't, we'll see where the conversation takes us, but mm-hmm. uh, just kind of talking about, like, unity in general and relationship in like that greater sense like capital c church unity yeah which can express itself in lowercase church unity yeah so we thought we would bring a pastor in for this one okay thanks i actually uh (laughs) i actually just put that together in my brain we actually just prayed about it and felt like the lord was like dude well i did think about the fact that he was a pastor at a church where he was like I'm going to fill this spot. I see whether or not it's like my favorite spot. And so that to me says unity, you know, like doing what's not necessarily your preference because you know, it's best for the greater body, you know? Mm. So, yeah. Well, well, thanks for that kind comment. I mean, I'm going to take it as a kind comment, whether you (laughs) mean it or not. Um, A lot of times people in our organizations, let me just do this little political thing for a second. Um, that basically are filled with younger people. Uh, believe it or not, I was young at one time. Um, some say I've never grown up. But you, so you, sometimes you look at the old established denominations and you look at them and you think, <laughs> you, you think, they are just, you know, not moving, dead. Mm. But attending this particular de- denomination, it may come out in this later, and, and that's fine. Uh, not attending it for years. We, we grew up in this denomination. But not attending it for years and coming back in, experiencing the different other kinds of churches we've gone to, that gave us the perspective to go in and take a look at the things that they say on a Sunday morning hmm. and realize that there is a possibility that they don't all believe that, that they just are doing it the same way. But 
when you start looking at the liturgy, when you start looking at the things that are there and realize the foundation that's underneath it, unfortunately you can't see my hands move if you're listening to this, um, you look at that foundation and realize there is a depth there that if the if everybody began to grasp that, like Hirohito said after bombing Pearl Harbor, I'm afraid I've awakened a sleeping giant. Hmm. This sleeping giant can awaken. And if it does, I think God can use it, continue to use it powerfully. A lot of times we look at denominations and we're critical of it, but a huge amount of aid work are done by the organized denominational churches. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, we put together a project to put together flood buckets and that doesn't sound like a big deal, but if everything in your house is gone, Somebody rolls up with a five-gallon bucket that's got dishwashing detergent, soap, a couple of quick-dry towels, things for you to take care of your personal needs. All of a sudden, you haven't been completely rescued, but suddenly somebody's bringing you help of any kind. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're, you know, you, you can't accomplish everything, but you can accomplish some of it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, be becoming part of a denomination has really been a real eye opener. And, and you're talking about unity. And when, when I knew you were going to be talking about this and I realized that we have a, I called it macro unity. Mm. And you talked about interpersonal to me, that's micro unity. Mm -hmm. And those two are so interrelated, but um, even in a denomination and between denominations, and that's the thing about, well, YWAM has also taught us too. I'll get to it in a second. But unity does not necessarily mean agreement. Mm -hmm. Unity means we can disagree, but still walk arm in arm to accomplish the task that God has put in front of us. Mm -hmm. And you may sprinkle, you may dunk. You may serve communion every Sunday. You may serve communion once a, once a month, once a quarter, once a never. Do we believe, you know, I mean, the Apostles' Creed, which, was, which is dated back to, in some, some say 60 AD, it was a baptismal creed, you know, I believe in God the Father Almighty. We can agree on that. Mm -hmm. Maker of heaven and earth. Okay. And in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. All right, we're still cooking. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Third day he rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, and sits at the right hand of God. Okay. And so you go through all this, and we're agreeing on it. So why don't we take what we agree on, mm -hmm. grab onto it, and let's go change the world. Now, you know, you want to have an argument about predestination, non-predestination, once saved, always saved. Well, okay, that's fine. That, that, that's a topic of discussion. But my unsaved friend that I have that doesn't know Jesus doesn't care about how he's baptized. <laughs> doesn't care the number of times we serve communion. That's for people who want to have, who want to spend their time having discussions. And I'm sorry, in my perspective, feel important. So let's take what we agree on. And that's one of the things that, that this organization has taught me over the 18, 20 years we've been affiliated with it is that this walk with the Lord is a river. That's an 80% river. There's 10% on this bank on the left that we're going to disagree about. And there's 10% on the right bank that we're going to disagree about. But do you believe that Christ is coming back? That's a continuation of that creed. You believe he's going to sit on the throne and judge. Do you believe that my body is resurrected and there's life everlasting? Hmm. We believe those things. Why are we fighting about other stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Why are we fighting about it? Mm -hmm. And the thing about that macro unity, and I think it applies to micro unity and I, I saw this phrase, I wasn't even looking at this. I was looking at something else and I saw this phrase and I wish I could attribute it to the right person, but it says being unified 
means I don't have to be right. Mm. Come on. And see, that's one of the challenges that we have is particularly, this sounds like I'm slamming America. I'm not. We have this justice and right and truth and everything else. But I love you enough that I don't have to push my point to prove that I'm right. Mm. You and I can disagree, but I need to love you enough that I'm going to walk arm in arm with you. Mm -hmm. Now, if what I'm disagreeing about is you say, well, in order to fulfill Christ's commandment, I got to go kill puppies. <laughs> no, that kind of violates what I just quoted, which was pretty much most of the Apostles' Creed. Hmm. Um, that's unity. And we can have it at the, the, the big level, and we can have it at the individual level. I mean, if we stop worrying about well, I said right, and if I stop worrying about my rights, this is really going to irritate people, but the only right that I have is to die in my sin. Come on. Amen. That's the only right I've got. Hmm. Anything else is something that we have created and says I have rights. Now, I do have rights because Jesus Christ has loved me. He has made me part of his family. And all that that the Bible says, says that we are, that's all great. But the thing about what Christ has given us, from my perspective, the first time I stand up and I say, but Jesus, you gave me the right to do whatever, 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 you just lost it. Hmm. It's like humility. Yeah. They took my humility button away because I wore it. <laughs> you know, the most humble. We won't even go into that. <laughs> but... but I, you know, I had a humility button. I wore it and they took it away from me. I am humble. Well, if we start, it's not about me. Hmm. It has to be about everybody else. And to, to me, th this whole unity thing across denominations, I mean, I'm just going to, I don't know where this is going, but, but we're trying to have a cold weather shelter in this county, mm -hmm. we're having a difficult time getting churches to sign up to provide resources. The organization is trying to find a building so that way you don't have a problem of moving it from church to church to church with each church having their own rules and whatever. But what was our command? Our command is take care of who? The widows, mm -hmm. the orphans, and the poor. Now, anywhere in taking care of the poor where we admonish to take a financial statement to see if they've got bad habits they continue to do, how about let's try to love them out of the situation they're in? Mm. And don't do something judgmentally. Don't do something to degrade people. Be unified in that way. Mm -hmm. Unified a community together with Christ as the focus. Yeah. So anyway... So, I don't know what you wanted to talk about, but that's where I went. No, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's so good. Good. perfect. So, so, all right, let's get pragmatic. All right, let's do it. You know, because I, I threatened I was going to do this <laughs> when we got in here. All right, I'm wearing a mask. Hmm. Okay, I do get offered a mask when I walk into a store, and I mad, I tell people I'm already wearing one, and they said, "No, you need a double decker. We need you to cover your whole face." <laughs> <laughs> That just makes, that makes our lunch easier to stay down. So I appreciate, I appreciate that. But anyway, all right. You have people who are adamant that I'm going to wear, that I'm not going to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. Do you know why I wear a mask? Hmm. One of my, a, 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 a couple that sits on the front row were married six days after I was born. Wow. Wow. So. Is it my right to not wear a mask? Some would say it is. But doesn't Jesus command me to do whatever I can to not put someone else at risk? Hmm. Which means if I don't know where you guys have been, I should wear a mask when I come in to see you. Mm -hmm. yep. Now, some will say you're afraid. No one has said that to my face because they probably would not like the rest of the conversation, <laughs> but, but it's that. And does a mask protect you? 
let's say it protects me one-tenth of one percent. Hmm. All right? Here's my theory. There's a certain virus load that you have to have in your lungs in resident for you to actually become infected. So let's say that virus load just on the odd chance is 100 or 1,000. I have to have 1,000 virus particles in my lungs. Let's say my mass cuts out one-tenth of 1%, one which is 1. And I only have 999. I have under the threshold to be infected so then I go infect somebody else. Why in the heck wouldn't I wear a mask? Mm. Yeah, is it uncomfortable? Yeah. Does it slide up and down? Yeah. But it's not about me. It's about the other person. Mm. And so at the same time, I, I, I tend to think if, if you're in a, in a group and you've got people that wear masks. Sometimes we can get judgmental about it. Well, how is that being unified? Because hmm. see, the thing about unity. I knew I was going to get to this. I knew I could figure out how to get to this. <laughs> All right. And, and this applies individually, but I think it applies. It applies macro and micro. Mm -hmm. All right. And I, and I had this conversation with somebody actually on this campus that was a visitor. And I didn't have the scripture references, which I do happen to have now, but I'm not going to use them because you guys trust me. <laughs> All right. There was a letter written in Jerusalem that was sent out with Paul and Barnabas to, because Paul and Barnabas were going out to the Gentiles. Hmm. And, and as, they, as the council in Jerusalem said, because Jesus had been, has been, had been rejected by the Jewish leaders in, in Jerusalem that God opened the gates so that us yeah. could become part of Abraham's family. That's what it says mm -hmm. in that letter. It says you need to abstain from anything to do with idols. Abstain means stay away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And that went out to the Gentiles because the Gentiles were used to sacrificing to an idol, eating the meat, doing all the other disgusting practices involved with that. But that was a part of their day. That was the part of their life. So this letter went out saying, abstain from stuff, sacrifice to idols. Later on in Corinthians, Paul said, you know, an idol is just kind of a hunk of wood. It really has no life. Nobody disagrees with that statement. So if you want to eat something that's been sacrificed to something that has no life, go ahead. But then later on, what we're taught is if you're one, if you're meeting with a person who doesn't believe, who says, by the way, that meat's been sacrificed to idols, don't eat it hmm. because they're not part of the family. Yeah. You don't want to do anything to dissuade them from becoming part of the family. If it happens to be a brother who doesn't have, and, 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 and Paul's statement has a weaker faith about meat sacrificed to idols, what are we supposed to do? We're not supposed to eat the meat either because you don't want to cause a brother to stumble. Hmm. See, if you go, and I think it's Matthew 19, I ought to know because I preached on it. Matthew 19 talks about who's the greatest in the kingdom. Hmm. And who do they bring up? A child. Hmm. Now, it's not that it's a child. It's a childlike faith. It's a childlike faith. Basically, God said it. God did it. God said, let there be light. It happened. It is a very simplistic approach to this is what God did. Mm. But in it, it says, if you cause that child to stumble, not a four-year-old, someone who believes a simple faith, if you cause them to stumble, what's it best for you to have done? A millstone be thrown around, put around your neck, and you'd be thrown into the deepest part of the sea, mm. which that's my favorite part. I like that. <laughs> All right. But see, it continues to go on because if you read that passage of scripture, the next thing in it. Okay, is, okay, the third one is the lost sheep. Then it's going to a brother. Then it's the one on forgiveness. What's number two? I've got it in my notes. Anyway, we'll get back to that. But that whole chapter, we tend to look at it in chunks, but it goes down to actually number four is going to a brother to be restored. Hmm. Isn't it kind of interesting that the next thing is to add about forgiveness? Because what's the most volatile conversation we have? 
It's when there's a, there's a difference between fellow believers and there's a problem and there's a clash. Hmm. What's the one thing we desperately need out of that is to forgive one another. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't do it. Hmm. We carry that around for a long, long, long time. And what this passage of scripture talks about is the debt that we have been forgiven in comparison to what our perceived being owed is. Hmm. We've been forgiven. What's the equivalent? Wasn't it $4 billion? That's, that's one equivalent as opposed to a hundred days wages. Yeah. And, and so that's what we have been forgiven, but yet we can't cut somebody a break for a little tiny percentage of that. Yeah. And get on with life. And now let's go to the guy sacrificed an idol. Okay. If a person looks at that and says, I can't eat meat sacrificed to idols. I've got this scriptural mandate that I shouldn't eat sacrifice to I stuff sacrificed to idols. Is he wrong? No. No, because that's what he that's what he believes. Yeah. Somebody else comes in and says, I have a scriptural mandate. I've been freed. I can eat meat sacrificed to idols. Is he wrong? No. All right. Since neither of them are wrong, they need to sacrifice their being right to restore unity with each other. Hmm. Which means the guy that says it's okay can look at the guy who, who won't eat meat and say, you're just this wheat little sniveling so-and-so, you know, you don't understand the deeper walk of the scripture, you know, whatever. Shut up, put your meat away and sit down and have a salad with the guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I am to put aside my rights to walk in unity with somebody else because that is more important mm -hmm. than me doing, getting everything I deserve. Yeah. Perfect. So good. And so, and so, you know, we talk about, and that's talking about pretty much interpersonal, but I have to, I have to believe that if we look at the macro unity, it boils back down to individuals. Mm -hmm. You know, it boils down to, you know, each of us getting along. Have either of you guys ever played on a church softball or basketball team? <laughs> nope. No, that is the worst team you will ever play on. Really? Yes. The Christian basketball team in the town that we used to live in that we came, that we lived in before we came to this organization, a pastor of the local church stood up. I don't think she started cussing, but she might as well have was chewing the referee out. Just dressing this guy up and down and up and down because she perceived that he made a bad call. Hmm. This is in a Christian environment. Yeah. Now, I've brought my, my non-Christian neighbor to this. What's he going to think? I hadn't, but that's my example. Yeah. You know, we need to walk in you. We can, we need to disagree. Yeah. It may make us upset, but we need to make sure pretty quickly that we resolve that because the world is watching. Hmm. And so let's be unified. But, it, but, but anyway, I, I can get off my soapbox now, but we have got to figure out a way to walk through all this. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the thing that I saw it, that thing about me not being right. And you guys know, I love winning arguments. In fact, I usually don't start a conversation unless I know how it's going to end. <laughs> you know, I don't have to be right. Hmm. I just have to know that, that you just have to know that you're loved. Mm-hmm. And that we're going to walk through this together. Yeah. Now, if somebody's in sin, but see, that even becomes an issue because, <laughs> but I, I was looking at when I was thinking about this today, R remember the disciples came to Jesus mm. and what they say, they said, well, Hey, these, these guys are over here and they're, and they're casting out demons and they're doing it in your name and they're not part of us. Man, that sounds like some denominational meetings to me. Yeah. And what did Jesus say? No one except they're drawn by me can say things in my name. Hmm. So basically, 
give him a break. You know, and I was trying to find it. Wasn't there a case in Acts where somebody was spreading the gospel for money? Oh, um, Simon. The... Well, he was looking. He was looking. Simon the magician wanted to pay them money to get the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But this was somebody who was doing it for money. Oh, yeah. What did Paul say? The gospel's being declared. What's the big deal? Yeah. You know, and so as long as somebody is not doing something that's obviously sinful, mm-hmm. let them go. You know, well, what about televangelists? Are they proclaiming it? Yes. Are they taking advantage of the situation? Possibly so. But at the same time, there are people, that's the only church they have. I mean, particularly with what we've seen now, we've got church members. They will watch our church when we get it uploaded later in the afternoon. But they send, they spend Sunday morning at, at various churches around the country going to church. And I would hazard to, to, to suggest the preaching they get on TV is better than the preaching they get from the pulpit at our church. <laughs> but they're getting fed. Yeah. Well, they're sending them money. Okay. If the person who's receiving the money is is misusing it, that's on them. Yeah. Same thing. If you hand somebody who's begging for money with the I'm homeless signed by Kroger, if they misuse that money and don't use it to try to better themselves, that's not on you. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus said, give when you're asked. Mm -hmm. So it's all the same kind of thing. It's not about me. Yeah, something I've been kind of coming back to is like, I'm going to stand before Jesus, like probably naked, devoid of any general like achievements or status or anything. It's going to be me there and like slash like what what I'm bringing in in general. Like, is, but anyways, when I'm standing there before him, is he going to be like, hey, good job. You stood up for your right to not wear a mask. That is that's great. Like, good on you. Good job. <laughs> or, you know, is he going to be like, oh, you protected the your guns from the government taking them. Good job. You know, or is he going to be like, hey, I loved those people. Why were you like being jerks to them? Why were you not representing me? Or like in that basketball thing, like there's a level of like that lady is going to stand before the Lord and is it going to be like, hey, good job on arguing against that ref, you know, or is it going to be like, hey, why why didn't you love that dude? Like, I love that dude. And I wasn't yelling at him for his potentially bad ref call. So, you know, there's this aspect of like, what is like Jesus's perspective on these things? And basically, we can't settle for less than that, you know. Well done, good and faithful servant. Mm. That's what we should all be looking for. Mm. Uh, you know, well, you know, Here's a list of my accomplishments. Uh, okay. I said, create, I said, let there be light. And that happened. So top that one. Bucko. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get You're like trying to impress them. Yeah. Oh, something you said to, uh, was like, what, you know, if you brought somebody to set basketball game, like what would they think? And I, I noticed in John 17, when Jesus is praying, he's like, let them be one as we are one. Um, like him and as in him and the father are one uh, that the world may know that you have sent me. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's a prerequisite for the world knowing that you've sent me. And I've seen so much detriment done. And one of the biggest things that people will point out when you're trying to tell them about Jesus, whether on the street or even just friends of mine, and they see so much disunity and there's like, you guys don't even know, you don't even agree on Jesus. You don't, you can't agree who he is or, you know, anything. So why would I go with this, you know, versus like Muslims pretty much got their act together as far as, I mean, there's a couple different, you know, extreme extremes on what that looks like practically, but they pretty much agree on it. Buddha, they pretty much agree on, you know, Confucius, they pretty much agree on, at least as far as I'm aware, you know, and as far as most, at least people here that I try to talk to about these things are aware. You know, versus us who are like, is Jesus like this? Is he like this? Does he love? Is he super mad at everybody and wants to just kill us all? You know, and we get into all these weird things rather than just being like, man, like, let's just look at Jesus. Forget everything else. Let's just, you know, 
But it seems to me like such a strategic thing that we be one and be unified in this in this way of setting aside differences and coming together. But the fact that that's not what's happening, like, I mean, I think it's something that Keith Green said. He's like, if anybody goes to hell, it's the church's fault. And I like feel that as like, man, I, at least as my part and am responsible for, like I need to be contributing to unity and love, not like disunity and judgment, you know? Well, some won't necessarily agree with that statement. It's true. Um, my response is fine. You're entitled to your own opinion, even if it's wrong. Um, <laughs> I reserve the right to be wrong. Yeah. Um, y- y- you were talking about the in because the series I'm doing I'm doing now is is on the Apostles' Creed, mm-hmm. and that's just been eye opening. And I can't find the guy's name, but he wrote, and, and we've only got fragments of it put together. But he was describing becoming part of the church in the in the third century, fourth century. You went through a three-year-long study and discipleship time. And during that entire path, it was you were constantly admonished to put away sin, to put away sin, to put away sin. And there's this whole list. You know, if you own slaves, you need to get rid of them. If you're a prostitute, you need to stop doing that. If you're running around with sex, you need to, you know, and and if you're not, you can't become part of the church. And back then, things were evolving to the point where the church and your economic viability became very, very important. Mm. Um, we've seen that in some segments of society in, in the West where Christian communities are so tight together you know, they buy from each other, they sell from each other. I mean, what brought this to light? We we bought a building from a from a local company, and I went to try to find out color matching for the paint. So I called them. They buy paint apparently from people in their own religious group from out of state and have it shipped in. So you can't even go to Sherwin Williams or any place else, but I've got samples so I could go. But that made me think about, you know, there's a, there's this inclusive economic thing. And that back then, that was how it worked. Mm-hmm. I'll get to that in a second. Um, but what they would do, and it became, let's assume you went through this discipleship time and you passed, if I can use that term. Mm-hmm. Here's what happened. You fasted the night before. You were up all night praying and preparing for your baptism. You went down to the river and stripped naked. They took you into the river to baptize you, and they asked you, do you believe in the Father, maker of heaven and earth? Yes. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord? Yes. And every time you got immersed. Hmm. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Yes, I do, and you got immersed. You were now part of part of the group. But what this one author in, in the books that I used, he said, the thing about this that's so incredible if you're standing there with no clothes on, you have no rank, you have no title, you have no trappings that tell you who you are because you are going to do exactly what Job said. Naked came I into the world and naked shall I return. You're standing there with nothing but you in front of God saying, God, I surrender to you. If we got back to that principle, I'm not saying you want me to go stand by the naked by the riverside because that just would, <laughs> no one would like that. But the point is, you had to put away self. And we don't talk about that. Yeah. Again, go back to, I don't have to be right. If we, if we put away self, we have to be concerned about everybody else. I think that's transformational thinking. Yeah. And I see that too. in like Jesus, when he like calls the disciples, it, as I was kind of learning about some of the history and stuff, I saw that like one dude's a zealot, AKA like super like religious kill off, like fight off the Romans and kill any Jews that like adhere to any Romanization or Hellenization is actually what it's called. But 
you know, they're like super against that. And then he calls like Matthew a tax collector who would have been like the scum of the earth to them because in a sense he was a traitor and starts accepting different aspects of Roman culture into his life uh, and handles the money and stuff and therefore is unclean and all this other stuff. And so you have like these two like, you, you have a few different very drastic characters within even just the disciples. And I think that Jesus did that like so intentionally, uh, you know, and so I don't know, we just see so much, I think in that, in him calling them together, but they, they could work together. And even after Jesus left, they could work together because they had this like common focus and goal on Jesus. Like their eyes were set on Jesus and not like all of this, like peripheral stuff, you know? And so there was an aspect of unity, like based on Jesus, like community is always, always form. There's always unity around something like you might have, I don't know, some kind of common idea or goal in mind. And for us, that should be Jesus, you know? So I think you already answered this, but for the sake of our listeners, I just wanted to kind of phrase this question for you. But when we're talking about having unity with the church, where would you draw the line between what is the church and what isn't the church? Mm-hmm. Now this is where I get in trouble. <laughs> Again, I have to be highly prejudicial because what I'm currently teaching on. Yeah. In, in that, if you look at an, that ancient creed, the Apostles' Creed, there are 12 points. Okay. If you look at that and read it, everyone who claims to be a Christian should conform to, to that creed. God, the father, you know, virgin birth, Jesus coming back. That's the Christian structure. Um, if you don't believe those, then are you really Christian? I'm not going to say that that's for, I mean, I, and you guys have heard me say this. I will stand up and say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. He's the only way to the father. No one comes to the father, but by me. That's what he said. Yeah. That's my interpretation. That's what I'll preach. But I've got some Muslim friends who I've been talking to for 14 years. And I hope I'm wrong, Hmm. but that's what I believe. And that's what I'm going to preach. Well, you've got people who don't necessarily believe all those things, but yet do good things Mm. and do good things in Jesus name. So Mm. how that's all going to sort out, that's not for me to, to tell, but you know, if you've got, all right, we're in a country and actually until about yesterday, I used to be really ticked about this and thinking about this topic, I realized my approach was wrong, but we had a team in a, in a country in that part of the world where Jesus isn't declared. Uh-huh. And we had people on that team that had ink, had tattoos and had piercings. Hmm. We did not have any problem going into any of the Hindu neighborhoods with that. The only time when members of the team had to make sure they wore sleeves and covered their ink took their nose rings and pushed them up so they were invisible is when we went and worked in a Christian school, which that's one of my topics that I taught on, talked about when I was out here all the time in that we have exported something that is more about rules and regulations, but not about relationships. Hmm. But yet I realized in talking about unity that while I can get real excited and real upset about how they are implementing Christianity. Are they touching people's lives around them? Yes. Are they bringing people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? They're presenting the the gospel and people are accepting him. Maybe they're picking up some of the legalistic trappings along the way, but they're still making a profession of faith. So is that valid? No, no, but that's not for me to figure out. That's for Mm -hmm. me to celebrate. Yeah. And so what I'm having to do is I'm having to expand my viewpoint of what that church of what church contains. I mean, we, we can pick, you know, we can pick the major Christian segments and I'm not going to mention any names. Um, 
but there's some there's some real huge Christian denominations that we kind of look at and say, well, that's not even Christian. But I know people that are, that are part of that denomination, that part of that that group, that love Jesus, that whatever. And I'm going, I know these people. Hmm. I know what they believe. I know what their life looks like. So you can't say just because somebody's a part of this mm-hmm. that they don't believe that Jesus Christ was raised from, you know, all the things that, that, that I talked about. So now we do have to be careful about being unequally yoked. You know, I mean, that's, um, you know, the, the, the denomination I'm with, and again, I haven't said it and I would try not to. Uh, gets criticized because we are having discussions about about certain societal issues, and so people come to me and say, "Well, how can you be part of this denomination? You've got this and this going on." I says, "Yeah, but at least we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. You go to church and don't even talk about it, like it doesn't exist. Yeah. I can pretty much guarantee you that you've got this, this, and this. And oh, by the way, how many of the pastors or elders or leaders in your church?" have had adulterous relationships or have a drinking problem or abuse their spouses. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's, let's talk about those things because I can be flawed, but that person who's has, who has a good profession of faith. I mean, I mean, that's okay. If you're in church planting, one of the things you do in church planting is you bring in a person of peace around you. You're in a, a remote location. You bring that person of peace in and you as the missionary do not lead local Bible studies. The reason being, it doesn't need to become a white person's religion. Yeah. By the way, I'm white. Um, <laughs> but what you can do is you take the person who is, whose God has gifted, God apparently has picked to, to become the leader you may teach him hmm. the Bible story that he's going to teach because he might be illiterate. Yeah. You're going to teach him that Bible story. A half hour later, he goes into the group that trusts him and he teaches the same story. Mm-hmm. Well, he is now an expert. He learned it 15 minutes ago. You know, so the same kind of thing is that somebody is broken, somebody is cracked, you know, but they can be declaring the gospel and they can touch people's hearts and then the Holy spirit can help Mm. because we expect people to become saved and have their act instantly together. Yeah. And there's not a single one of us in the room that has reached there. Yeah. Penelope looks something up today and I thought, why did I have this in here? And and you brought it up because you talk about the diversity of the disciples. Mm. You have a tax collector, you got a bunch of fishermen, you know, you got a zealot, you've got a crook, you've got all these different kind of people. They've been around Jesus. Okay. After the transfiguration, what happened? Well, the mother of the sons of Zebedee come to him and they say, Hey, look, when you go to heaven, can one son sit on your right and the other son sit on your left? And it says, and the other 10 disciples got real ticked. Yeah. Well, that's really an example of unity. <laughs> Why? Because. Someone was trying to make themselves more important than the other. Hmm. Isn't that a great textbook example of unity breakdown? Yeah. Perfect. So that's put credit Penelope with that one. Yeah. The good. verse that I think of whenever I think of um, one of my best friends who's in a denomination that's considered not Christian most often. Mm-hmm. Again, I'll try not to like just yep. say names for the sake of the argument. But um, anyways, the verse that I think of whenever I think of him is, who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will mm-hmm. stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. And that's uh, Romans 14, which the entire chapter of Romans 14 is all good for <laughs> unity in general. Yeah. Um, I think it would take a while to read, so you can look it up yourself, listener. But um, if you are intrigued, well, yeah, because the out. back part of I've got that on my list. Oh, the good. back part of Romans fourteen is causing a brother to stumble. Oops, I'm yeah. Causing a brother to stumble, and that's that's critical 
because I'm looking at the other person. Well, they're believing wrong. I mean, we had we had a situation in Jacksonville with this organization, um, and some don't like the fact that that some bases are their alcohol policy is a little soft. Okay, I I don't drink, but I was raised not drinking. I had a grandfather that was an alcoholic, and my dad was a rabid non-drinker. Hmm. And so I kind of picked that up. So carrying that into in the South, into a conservative church, though, you don't drink. So we had staff had gone out to a to a restaurant, and I guess it was Sunday after church, you know, and they were there after whatever the opening time was, and they were have they had beer on the table. And the pastor of one of the churches that was a big I won't say big supporter, and I don't necessarily mean financially, but was a huge supporter of our organization went by and saw all these staff that he knew consuming alcoholic beverages Monday morning. He called the base director and just came unglued, you know, now I'm not going to argue his rightness or wrongness, exactly what you just said. Mm -hmm. So we went to staff and said, look, we understand you have the right to do this, but let's don't. Let's exercise the freedom to not do something we have the freedom to do to prevent a brother from stumbling. Now, the other side is to prevent us from spending three days on the telephone trying to put out the fire. But it's that same principle. It's you have the right to do something. Don't do it. Because unity is also not is also not creating disunity. Hmm. And so by putting down my rights. Well, that, that, that restricts you. Okay. And your next point, <laughs> you know, okay, I'm restricted, but does that benefit the body of Christ? Does that benefit somebody else? Yes. All right, here we go. Yeah. I need to step back. I, I get my, I always get these two swish. It was Matthew 18. Cause Matthew 18 is, is talking about who is the greatest. And it's a child. Um, but it says the, the section I couldn't remember if, if, and again, it's talking about an individual and the body. If the eye causes you to stumble, pluck your eye out. Mm. Yeah. You ready to go. You better go away with, with, with one less eye. And, and that's a cost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a cost. And then it talks about the lost sheep, but just, just to throw this back in, you know, it, it, it talks in this passage of scripture about, the first part, who's the greatest and bring the young child. Well, you know, we all talk about the lost sheep about, you know, leaving the one and going after the 99. The first phrase, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. Hmm. It's hooking the lost sheep passage back to who's the greatest in the kingdom. Yeah. Going and pursuing someone who has that simple faith, who probably has fallen away. Then it, the next section is your brother sins against you. That's where you go and you try to get into restore again. I contend because in the early, in the early scripture, there was no headings. Mm. That's talking about this. Jesus talked about the same thing. Then he's also talking about forgiveness. You know, if things don't go like you think they should in this whole restoration thing, one to another. Okay. Forgive each other. Mm. I mean, how, how many, how many people do you know? How many people do I know? How many people do I still harbor unforgiveness? Oh, would you like a list? Bring me a staff list. You know, <clears throat> particularly people who used to be in maintenance. No, I'm kidding. But, but you know, okay, Michael Emmett. <laughs> again, we, we, you started talking about big unity in yeah. the church. I I contend it starts out with individuals. Yeah, come on. You know, the it, change cannot happen at an institutional level. Uh, who was it? Oh, gee. Oh, World War Two. Oh, German concentration camp. And he wrote. He talked about community. And what he said was, I'll, I'll remember this quote when I'm driving home, in that if you if you're concerned about building community and you constant if you concentrate on the community, you will lose community. If you concentrate on individuals, you build community. Well, that's good. 
And that thing about individuals is I have to forgive you. Mm. I have to not necessarily press my rights with you. I have, what would happen if we defer to each other? You know, I think it'd be transformational. Yeah. Come on. I mean, that's literally what Jesus did. So yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I had this conversation with somebody um, on that same trip. And if I say this, you're going to know where we were. He was a devout Hindu. Hmm. We stayed at his, at his, at his um, guest house. Um, he was a rabid vegetarian. He couldn't understand how we could eat eggs and still call ourselves vegetarians. Good point. Good question. <laughs> vegetarians? Vegetarian. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. See. But, but, I mean, we had to have protein from somewhere. Yep. And so I was sitting with him towards our last, last couple of days, and, and he spoke good English. And I said, what would happen if men, and I used men because it's, that's the society, if, if men in India, what did I say? If honorable men behaved honorably, hmm. what would happen? And he said, it would transform India. I just quoted him the golden rule. He just didn't know it. Hmm. Do unto others. Well, so what would happen in our confines of a Christian, Christian community that we have here or in a denomination or out into the world? What happens if each of us who have been, who have had honor bestowed on us behave honorably in all of our contacts with everybody? Hmm. What would happen? We don't know because we've never done it. Yeah. Yeah. But I have to believe that God would be faithful, that God would, no pun intended, honor our attempt to be honorable mm. and be transformational. So uh, to say like some practical things, uh, I think because we're noting, I think a dangerous thing here a lot of times in talking about this kind of stuff is that people immediately assume like larger, they're like, well, the church ought to do this and the church ought to do that. I've been guilty of that for literally years. Uh, but really it comes down to you, you know, mm -hmm. starts with the man in the mirror, you know what I'm saying? And so like practically, as far as I'm concerned, like I can breed unity. And so what does that look like? We've like, we've talked about forgiveness. Uh, we've talked about sitting down and having conversations, you know, is there any other practical things? You can think of off the top of your head, I'm sure. There's a thousand, but well, yeah. I mean, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I mean, it. It's don't be afraid. I mean, I've gotten in so much trouble. <laughs> um, I actually told somebody they were gossiping, hmm. and that offended them. And I said, well, you know the definition of gossip, don't you? She said, no. And I said, well, if you have a topic, if you have a conversation with somebody about a situation and neither of you can do anything to positively affect that situation, then that can be considered gossip. Well, I can't believe it. Did you have that conversation? Okay, what's the definition? Hmm. And they were, well, I should never have. And I said, you know I love you. Right. Mm. And you and I can disagree on this. Can't friends disagree about our perceptions of something together? So that's a practical thing is that we can disagree. But if you know, I love you, then we're going to disagree and be okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think one practical thing I was thinking about is like, I mean, in the same kind of in the same vein of, of, we were talking about earlier, but like not being judgmental. Like there's a level of like, all right, I can encourage somebody who seems down or like who seems, you know, I can sit down and have a conversation, not even like judge in a general sense, but I can sit down and be like, Hey, you, you kind of look like maybe you've been struggling. Like how's, how's your time with Jesus been? You know, like be willing to like walk alongside people and disciple them and be discipled yourself. Uh, but there's definitely a line you cross into when you're like just kind of judging from a distance, but you're not willing to get your hands dirty, which is what the Pharisees were all about. And so I think abstaining from that and being like, Hey, 
like I recognize that, you know, we're all a part of this body. We might be different parts. We might have differences, different strengths, whatever, even different beliefs that may be right, may be wrong, but like, just like not even letting yourself go to this place mentally, which can be difficult of like, Hey, I don't know where you're like, you've, you've reached that point of like hardcore judgment and you're condemning that person and writing them off versus like, Hey, let's sit down. Maybe we'll talk about these things. If it, if I really think it's something like super practical, you know, but like there's an aspect of you staying in like a, I'm good with Jesus. I just want to know that like you're good with Jesus. If you're walking with Jesus and I'm walking with Jesus, then like we can do this thing together and we can figure it out along the way, you know? And I feel like that's something that's been really huge Hmm. for me is like, like most of my things are perspective battles of perspective I find. And so in a sense, like just not like keeping myself from that judgmental place. Like, am I gossiping? Don't, do that you know am i like i don't know letting myself in a sense like have this dialogue in my brain that's really unhealthy like oh yeah you know cody is just has this weird thing that he thinks and he's probably i always got to bring that up you know all this stuff (laughs) what's that favorite part of the show outside of the other parts of the show (laughs) (laughs) the fifth favorite part (laughs) oh man it's fun question time. Doo, doo, doo. Um, we could just do this just for the sake of having a fun question. But this is like the antithesis of a fun question. But what bores you most? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's a hard question. Sports. No, no, no. <laughs> no I'm, I'm trying to make sure I say this well. <laughs> it's sports for me. Um, my background prior to coming here was computer programming systems analyst all that kind of stuff uh-huh is that the answer <laughs> so it, it, it to a certain point in that and you know somebody's going to hear this and going to go you know that's a bad attitude <laughs> <laughs> but having a meeting and at the end of the meeting walking away going and what was the purpose of this Hmm. and not being able to come up with something yeah and realize i have been what you just asked you know (laughs) is you know and i and i understand and and we know what probably maybe i'm talking about but anyway but it's i have to realize people are getting benefit out again it's not about me being right It's there are people there that that's their only opportunity to be together in community and to have dialogue. And so it's okay for me to be bored. It's okay for me to not get something out of it. Someone else there did, but yeah, what bores me? Oh, I don't even know. I find when I'm most bored, I am extremely disinterested in say the conversation that's happening around me uh, but i have to be there <laughs> so oh, no. in a sense meetings such as you have said uh if i'm like a lot of times i'm i'm like fine but if if there's like dialogue happening in general that i'm just like have no investment in i'm like i i could be doing any number of other things right now <laughs> you know but uh yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I like hanging out with guys who like to watch sports and like eating wings and um, just hanging out. But I don't enjoy sports themselves and would never go out of my way to watch them. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll wrap up with some base happenings, I guess. Yep, let's do it. Discipleship Training School is coming up. Uh, what start date? September 20th. And Cody's going to be staffing that. I sure is- am. Exciting. So you can come hang out with that guy. I don't know what that's going to mean for me being on the podcast, but I guess we'll see. We're going to make it happen. I'll kidnap him. It's fine. <laughs> but that's a five-month training school. You do three months here on base living in community. You get lots of awesome teaching. And then the next two months, you do cross-cultural outreach. So it's what's up. It'll change your life. Yeah. Yeah. There's also DTS March 28th. True that. Come do that if you want. Hi, if you want to hang out with me for that one, that's... Yep, Michael's leading that school, so... So what's happening? And Archibald will be around 
for sure. So, yep, on occasion, we'll make sure. Well, so yeah, yeah. This has been episode twenty. Hey, thanks for joining us. My yeah. pleasure. Anytime. <laughs> yep. Don't don't tempt it's me. Good to have you. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably ask you again if we go the full fifty-two episodes like we're planning. Well. Okay, and how I interpret that is we'll we'll ask you again when we can't find anybody else to show up. <laughs> we'll call you. That's Don't call right. us. We'll call <laughs> you. <laughs> you guys are a blessing. Thanks a lot. This was fun. <laughs> Thanks, Archibald. Thanks, Thanks yep. audience, and uh, we'll see you next week, eh? Yep. yep. Next week. All right. Or, well, we won't see you. Yes, yes. It's fine. We'll, yeah, we won't hear you either. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye now.